Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. I'm Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today. We've been discussing this question of creation, evolution, and worldviews, and how we view the world and how the answering questions like, where did I come from? How did I get here? What is my purpose? What is my destiny? How all of these questions have a deeper impact upon the way we live, make decisions, make moral decisions, etc., than most of us realize. I'm often asked, can the person be an evolutionist and be a good Christian and still believe in evolution? Far be it for me to judge whether a person is a good Christian. Let's, let's be clear, though, that being a good Christian has to do with faith in Christ. If you're mixed up on this issue and that you have a dynamic, living, loving, wonderful love for God and a wonderful faith in Christ, again, far be it for me to judge if, whether or not you're a good Christian. You, you, but you are, because a Christian is one who has faith in Jesus Christ. But what I might challenge, if that's you, is have you thought deeply about your faith? Have you thought deeply about the implications of this question? And I find a lot of people don't. <clears throat> As we've been talking about here, they, you know, it's yesterday we talked about the importance of worshiping our Creator. And I find some people, they, they just try and mix together their education that they've received, whether about, about origins, with what they believe the Bible says, or they've tried to make the two bend a little bit to fit together instead of having to make a decision about the rightness or wrongness of this theory of evolution. And so I'd like to challenge this. I'd like to think of this one question as I continue to build this case, that the Bible teaches that God created the world, I believe, in six days, and that that's important to our understanding of our life and our theology. And if we think deeply about this, it provides the best answers. Today, I'd like to raise this question. One of the toughest questions humanity has to offer is, why is there suffering and death in the world? You know, two years ago, one of the lead songwriters for um, Hillsong and Hillsong United named Marty Sampson, basically he wrote, he, he put on his Instagram that he's losing his faith because there are tough questions out there and nobody's talking about them. And he mentioned this question, why is there suffering? Why is there death? He raised specific questions related that the answer relates to exactly what we're talking about. And he said, no one's talking about them. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, I talk about these things every day on campus. The unbelievers are asking me these questions every day. I know of people who are addressing them. But evidently in his church and his Christian experience, and dare I say in many, many, many churches, this question, these issues are avoided because I don't know why they're controversial. Maybe the pastor doesn't believe them. Maybe he's not educa educated himself on this. I don't know why. But I will say we have Marty Sampson's out there, people who are accomplished. I mean, my goodness, this guy probably has written dozens of songs that you enjoy singing. And he said he's losing his faith. And a few weeks later, he walked away and said he no longer considers, considers himself to be a Christian. My goodness, friends, what's going on here? We are often losing people simply because we have not thought deep. 
we've not thought deeply about what we believe, and there are people who are thinking deeply about it on the other side, and they raise questions, and our people are, are unprepared to answer them, and then they fall away from the faith because they think we're a non-thinking religion. No, 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 no. Christianity is the religion for thinking people. We have produced the best thought, the best worldview, the most coherent understanding of life, and indeed, many of the great philosophers and thinkers throughout history. So what about this question? Why is there suffering and death? Evolution provides no answer to the why question. It just simply states it is. Evolution claims there is no why. There is no purpose. It is purposeless. Evolution just says it is. It just happens. There are mutations that occur, and because they occur, there might be an advantage to survival, and so therefore, the organism with the mutation survives, but there's no purpose behind it. There's no reason behind it. It's just, it just is. It was an accident of nature, a mutation. People who believe in theistic evolution, in other words, that God guided evolution, they try and merge these two ideas of evolution and, and Genesis together, or the existence of God together, they try and come up with something, well, God is maybe teaching us uh, the importance of being strong. But would God be behind a process that eliminates the weak and that the strong sur survive? I mean, is, is that the nature of God? Is that what God teaches us to do? Would that be the way God would want us to operate? Hey, weak people, we want to wipe you out and make you go extinct. Hey, strong people, we want you to survive and thrive. Would that be the way God was born? Was that the nature of our God? I think not. So this question, what is the, what is the source of suffering and death? It exists. Everybody knows it. There's a problem out there. And why? And especially when we realize in Genesis 1 verse 31 that God tells us, that the world he created, he saw all that he'd made. Behold, it was very good. Day after day, six days, what God did, it was good. It was good. It was good. And by, day, by the end of day six, with the creation of Adam and Eve, it was very good. Would there have been death, extinction, cancer, disease, illness by then? Would our God have called that very good? Indeed, many people don't realize, but this was part of the problem of, of with Charles Darwin, part of the reason he went from studying theology to be a priest when he was in, in the university. Did you hear that? Charles Darwin in the university studying to be a studying theology in order to become a priest, and he became a skeptic, he became a naturalist, he began to doubt God. In time he became an agnostic and finally most likely an atheist. Why? One of the big reasons was he could not reconcile this idea that God could be a good and loving God with creating a world filled with so much suffering and death. He saw it all throughout the fossil record. He saw it all throughout history. He saw all this and he said, "Where's the? how, how can a God be good? Who? How could he call this good? How could a God be loving with this history of so much death, extinction, suffering, etc.? It's a tough question. It's an honest question. As Christians, how do we answer it? As I said, evolution really has no answer. 
With us, here's the Christian answer. Yes, God did create the world good. He saw that all he'd made and was good. God created us to live forever. God created us healthy. God created us strong. There was no death originally. But God warned in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. He put them in the Garden of Eden. He said, you can eat of any tree you like. They're all available. Everything's available to you. But of the tree in the center of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice, not the tree of knowledge. Many skeptics like to say God wants us to keep us from knowledge. No, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or the experiential knowledge, losing your innocence and eating of that tree, disobeying God and eating of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And indeed, when Eve first ate and then gave to her husband Adam and he ate, that's when death entered the world. And the Bible tells us that this in Romans chapter 8, that all the creation was corrupted after that. The curse of God, now thorns and thistles will come from the, the garden that he was to till, the land that he was to till. There'd be pain in childbirth and there'd be a war between the offspring of the woman, ultimately Jesus, and the offspring of the serpent, i.e., the, the devil. And so, my friends, what is the cause of suffering and death? It's sin. It's rebellion. It's here, no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. But suffering and pain, it tells us there's something wrong in the world. When you have, when you have pain, it tells you there's something wrong in your body, right? And the suffering and pain that we experience is there's something wrong in our world, in our creation. What is it? It is we've rebelled against God. We've sinned against God. Sin entered the world. And this is the cause. When did it happen? When it, was it before Adam? No. Was it millions of years before Adam? No. Death, disease, corruption of the environment, the land, the whole creation was cursed as a result of the sin of Adam. This is what the Bible teaches. Now, this makes sense to me. This is going to explain how we can have a good God and that God's not the cause of the suffering, but, but the judgment, indeed the judgment of God, not the love of God, but the judgment of God, that God did not create the world this way, but rather because of our sin, this is the consequence that came upon us because we have all entered into the sin and rebellion. Now, it's really important, as I say, thinking, so it, not only do you answer the question of why is there suffering in the world in a way where, to be honest, we get the blame for it, not God. But another question comes, if there was death before Adam, and if death entered the world before Adam sin, then how does that connect with Christ needing to die for our sins? You see, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. The cause of, of death is sin, and the punishment of sin is death, right? But if there was sin that predated, or excuse me, if there was death that predated sin, then the wages of, then no, how's that fit? You see what I'm saying? It doesn't. So there was a good creation, sin into the world, death brought sin. What's the solution to our sin? Ultimately, there must be death. And this is why Christ needed to die for our sins. If there was death before sin, then why did the death of Christ to pay for our sins? You see what I'm saying? But there wasn't. There was no death beforehand. 
That's why we read in Romans 5 and verse 14, that through one man, sin entered the world. That's Adam. Not through a bunch of Neanderthals or a tribe, but through one man, sin entered the world. And through one man who gave his life to die for sin, there is reconciliation to our God. And this is why we see that this is so important. Does it, does it mean you can't, you, that if you believe in evolution, you can't believe the gospel? No. But this whole gospel narrative, the whole understanding of, of, of who Christ is and why he came and why his death was essential and why his death paid the price for our sins, it all goes back and find its begin, finds its beginning in Genesis chapter 3, chapter 2 and 3 where Adam and Eve sinned and sinned into the world and death through sin. And now death is or sin is conquered through the death of Jesus the Christ. These things are very, very important. It does play into the gospel understanding. And so, can I urge us, we want to be people who think seriously about our faith and the implications of it. And, uh, and, and this, I, I, I continue to stand and continue to say, that I believe this theory of evolution, this concept of evolution, and building all of life, and trust me, the seculars build all of life. They say evolution, it's, it's so much more than just biology. They talk about the universe evolving, our thinking evolving, our humanity evolving, our society evolving. They bring evolution into everything. It is at the core of what seculars, how they understand and see the world, and it is a diametrically different worldview than what we as Christians believe. So let's be careful. Father in heaven, we praise you again that you are the creator of all. And we thank you today that you made the world a good place. You made, you, there, there was no sin, there was no death before Adam sinned against you. In the day he ate of it, death entered the world. But before that, paradise. Before that, it was good. It was all good. It was all very good. And Father, we confess that sin has devastating consequences. Could he have ever imagined the taking of that tree of which he was commanded not to would have created, would have led to all the suffering and death and poverty and famine and natural disasters and anger and hatred and chaos that's come into our world? Could, could anyone have imagined the implications of that, what seemed like such a small act of disobedience? And yet, Lord, we know that it was a big act because it was rebellion against the teaching, the command of God Almighty. How the angels must have been shocked. How the angels must have been shocked that this man, woman, created in the image of God would actually disobey the Almighty. And Father, I pray we'd take every sin seriously and we'd realize Lord, whenever I, I pray, in, even in my own life, and I, I know you've helped me with this, but with all of us, Lord, whenever we see suffering, death, disease, poverty, when we see the world that is not meant to be, and it bothers us, it irritates us, it, I pray, Father, it would make us angry at sin. Not at you, but at sin. It causes us to hate sin even more and to see the, the dark side of what sin produces. It brings death. And Jesus, we thank you today that your death on the cross, your death on the cross is what can pay for and make right 
what Adam forfeited in the garden. Your death can reconcile us. Your death is the payment for sin. The wages of sin is death. Death entered the world through one man. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus, we thank you that through one man, you, our sins were paid for. And now you make us, through Christ, new creatures, alive, clean, reconciled to the Father. We give you praise. And we say and we declare, you are the answer. You are the answer. Your mission to reconcile people that you accomplished through your death and resurrection. This is the answer to what was forfeited in in the Garden of Eden. Bless you. We praise you and give you praise. Today, Lord, might we be filled with your spirit, walk in your power, overcome temptation, looking for opportunities to advance your kingdom, and being filled with the joy of the Lord and the victory you bring. We pray for this today and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Amen. I love these topics. I'm so glad we're able to talk about them. I hope they've been helpful to you. If they are, make sure you hit that like button. Leave a comment and share with some friends. If you're new to the channel, welcome. I hope you do subscribe, hit the notify button. Stay with us. Come back every day because we we get in the Word here every day. And we believe that by by the power of God, as we talk about our faith, share the Word, and pray over it, it transforms our lives, little by little. We all, I know we all would like big dramatic changes, but trust me, there's power in step by step, day by day, bit by bit, building our life. Successful Christians are not flash in the pans or sprinters. They're marathon runners. They're people who stick with it, who persevere. We've been getting in the Word every day here, every day for, well, almost uh, about 10 months now on, here on YouTube. And if, you're, if you've been along, I trust your life has been changing. But it's the changes God brings, rarely are they huge and dramatic. They're day by day developing that faithfulness. The, the, the tortoise will beat the hare every time. Let's be tortoise Christians who keep plodding along faithfully in the word and prayer every day. So God bless you. Good to see you. And I'll see you tomorrow morning. You have a blessed day. Bye-bye.